Welcome to Sermons from St. Paul's Lutheran Church of Minot, North Dakota. St. Paul's is anchored in the message of Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins, for the church and for the world. The following sermon is from Rev. Dr. Matthew Richard. Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 15th chapter. Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, Great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. This is the gospel of the Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. My friends, in our culture, we are often pointed to people to emulate and aspire to. For example, in basketball, we automatically think of Michael Jordan and LeBron James, who are held up as the pinnacle of basketball success with their championships and scoring accomplishments. But let us not forget the NFL. Well, and obviously with the NFL, Tom Brady, whether you like the Patriots or not, he stands at the top, as well as Aaron Rodgers. They're looked at as the zenith, the zenith of triumph, with their MVP awards and also all their Super Bowls and touchdowns in Hollywood, while they embrace people such as Scarlett Johansson, Natalie Portman, and Renee Zellweger as the cream of the crop with their blockbuster hits and Academy Awards. Last but not least, in finance and economics, we think of Donald Trump and billionaires like Mike Bloomberg and Jeff Bezos, who lead the way in sharing and leading in economic prosperity for our land, as well as politics. To the point, all of these individuals that we've just discussed, they've accumulated great success and have displayed it, oftentimes with tremendous compose and confidence, resulting in them becoming these great icons that we should aspire to, that we emulate, and that we look to. Now, it would be easy to conclude within Christianity, that we should praise and commend those of great success as well, as if they are icons of great faith. For instance, we could, using this rationale, conclude that Joel Olstein, in his 16,800-seat Lakewood church building, is the pinnacle of faithfulness. Or perhaps we could conclude 
that the zenith of faithfulness is the Christian author Joyce Myers, who has sold over 20 million books. Or perhaps Billy Graham, we could look at him as a leader of the great faith who has reached over 250 million people through his crusades. However, what we learn from Jesus in our gospel reading is actually something completely different. We learn the opposite. We learn that great faith is not judged or understood by accomplishments and success, composure and confidence. In our reading from the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus, he actually commends a woman for great faith. Yes, a woman for great faith. But what might strike you and me as being quite odd is that this woman of great faith is not a flashy religious icon or a prolific author or an eloquent, polished speaker, but instead she was a shrieking, desperate, no-name beggarly woman. Yes, Jesus says in our gospel reading from the gospel of Matthew that a loud, croaking, canine woman with a daughter tormented by a demon, well, she has great faith. She's a picture to us of great faith. You see, Christianity has this peculiar way of doing things completely backwards, opposite of the world. In the world, those who are first, well, they are first. Those who have a life, well, they keep their life and they defend it at all costs. Those who are blessed are the rich and the strong. But my friends, not in Christianity. You see, in Christianity, the last, well, they will be first. Those who want to keep their life in Christianity must lose it. The spiritually bankrupt and the meek in Christianity, well, get this, they are blessed But why is it this way? Well, dear friends, we typically understand greatness by outward success, by what is accomplished and what is done. Therefore, it is easy to believe that great faith belongs to theological superstars and religious zealots, super apostles, and pious perfectionists. In other words, we have incorrectly attached great faith to outward appearance. However, Jesus, he runs things counterintuitive to how we typically think. Jesus sees great faith, not, get this, not in what is done or accomplished, but he sees great faith in what it receives, what faith clings to. With that said, it is really easy for us to get caught into a trap of believing that our faith is somehow weak when things are going chaotic in our lives and somehow strong when things are going well. It is an easy trap to get pulled into. In other words, too often we believe that if our faith is strong and great, then well, then things should go great, hunky-dory. And conversely, we too often believe that when our faith is weak, then things should perhaps run out of control And so when things are going great, we believe we have great faith. And when things are going bad, well, we believe that lie, that if we only had greater faith, well, things would be better in our life. Tragically, my friends, and way too often, the Christian moving-making industry actually reinforces this incorrect view about faith. I can recall watching a Christian movie flick several years ago With a man's life and his job, well, they were out of control. It was chaotic at best. 
However, in the movie, he was told by a pious and sappy Christian that if he were to somehow have a strength in faith or more faith, then good things would automatically happen. And lo and behold, through his diligent prayers, his pious devotion, and increasing his faith, well, the man, he cleaned up his life. His faith supposedly became great and wonderful, which, as a result, fixed his marriage, his job got better, and his children, they grew in godliness. The more faith he had, the better things got. Well, as you and I know, life, this life, and this Christian faith do not work this way. Except in the fairy tale land of well-intentioned but naive Christian movies. Furthermore, it did not work this way for that Canaanite woman who had a demonically possessed daughter. The Canaanite woman was at the end of herself. She had nothing to give, and she certainly was not polished in her appearance. She came before Jesus, screeching like a raven, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. Her cry, get this, her cry was so loud and her desperation was so deep that she was actually making a scene in front of everyone. She was so unhinged that the disciples, they actually became embarrassed and uncomfortable. Thus their reason for encouraging Jesus to send her away. Get rid of her, Jesus. She is making a scene. But regardless of that pushback, that Canaanite woman, she trusted in Jesus' word. Despite her circumstances and despite the disciples' wishes to get rid of her, she clung to Jesus. And in response, Jesus said this to the woman, great is your faith. Now let me be perfectly clear to you at this point. Great faith, blessed baptized saints, great faith consists not in your confidence, not in your abilities, not in your accomplishments, and not of what you do, but it consists in your despair of yourselves and the hope of Christ, Christ who is for you. Great faith is when you find no comfort in yourselves and your abilities, but you cling to the grace and the word of Jesus and Jesus alone. Great faith says this, says, I am a great sinner, but I have an even greater Savior. So, dear baptized saints, when your life falls apart and you find yourselves at the end of your rope, clinging to the gift of Jesus in his word and sacrament as your only hope, you are not lacking. You are not lacking faith, but you have great faith. You see, when the daughter comes in and tells you that your wife has terminal cancer and has days, not years, to live. And as a husband, when you feel that energy and that strength fall out of your body while you cling to your precious bride and say to your bride, do not fear, Christ has held us in life and he will hold us in death. That is great faith. When you're driving home from a family dinner and everything is great listening to music in your car and you smash your car and your little child is killed on impact and you say through the most profound possible pain, God help me, that is great faith. When you haven't felt the jumps and the kicks of your child in the womb 
and you look up and see a motionless child on that ultrasound technician's screen, and you look to Jesus with groanings too deep for words, that is great faith. When you wake up on Sunday morning with the pressure of shame and guilt from last week's sexual failure, and you come to this communion rail with heavy guilt and open hands to receive Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and his body and blood for the forgiveness of all of your sins, that, my friends, is great faith. When you stand shoulder to shoulder with each other and especially with your spouse, and when you look to your spouse with remorse in your eyes for all the fighting that you've done this past week, and when you both grab each other's hands, confess that you are poor, miserable sinners in thought, word, and deed, and then lift up your chins together to hear these words in the stead and by the command of Jesus, I forgive you all of your sins. Well, my friends, that is great faith. Baptized saints, never forget that Jesus came into this world to save sinners, which means great faith receives Jesus and his gifts for you and for me as sinners. Great faith clings to Jesus and Jesus alone, neither our goodness nor our badness, just Jesus. Great faith does only one thing. It clings to Jesus and his word and sacraments despite everything around us. And despite our feelings, great faith hangs tightly to Jesus who loved us all the way to the cross and to the empty grave even when the world throws its worst at us. With that Canaanite woman, we today, we cling to Jesus and his word of promise. Today, we know that what makes our faith great is not our will, not our commitment, our determination. Instead, what makes our faith great is what our faith clings to and what our faith receives. And what do we receive this day right here in this place? Today we receive Christ and his gifts, his gifts with that Canaanite woman. Therefore, your faith is great when you receive Jesus in a beggarly status, knowing that even though you often cannot control much of anything in this life, that the Lord controls you and has blessed you by his redemption and forgiveness and salvation. Today, you have faith that clings to Jesus and no other, for you know that Jesus is the unshakable rock which your faith rests. Blessed baptized saints, may the Lord bless you and grant you and me faith like that Canaanite woman, faith that clings to Jesus, faith that receives Christ and his gifts, not only today, but tomorrow and the day after that, and the day after that, and the day after that, clinging to the one who comes for sinners. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thy strong word bespeaks us righteous, bright with thine own holiness. Thank you for listening to today's podcast sermon. You can access a full manuscript of today's sermon from Pastor Matthew Richard's blog at www.pastormatrichard.org or visit St. Paul's website at www.stpaulsminot.org. The Lord bless and keep you.